Good morning, everyone. My name is Stephen, and the second Bible reading will come from John chapter 12, verses 20 to 33. So if you'd like to open up your Bibles, you can follow me as I read this passage. Now, there were some Greeks among those who went up to worship at the feast. They came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee, with a request. Sir, they said, we would like to see Jesus. Philip went to tell Andrew. Andrew and Philip in turn told Jesus. Jesus replied, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Tell you the truth, unless a kernel of a wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it, it dies, it produces many seeds. The man who loves his life will lose it, or the man who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Whoever serves me must follow me, and where I am my servant also will be. My father will honour the one who serves me. Now my heart is troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. No, it is for this very reason I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came from heaven. I glorified it and will glorify it again. The crowd that there was there and heard it said it was thundered. Others said an angel had spoken to him. Jesus said, this voice was for your benefit, not mine. Now is the time for judgment on this world. Now the prince of this world will be driven out. But I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all men to myself. He said this to show the kind of death he was going to die. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning, friends. My name's John. I'm one of the ministers at this church. Today is, is one of those days that I'll call both sombre, but also a day of celebration. But my prayer is that for us, we'll actually feel the weight of this day and what took place. So let's join in prayer once again, and we'll consider this passage. Heavenly Father, as we consider the cross of Christ, help us to see that it was at that moment when you were glorified and Jesus himself was glorified. And so help us, Lord, to feel the weight of this day and what took place. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, it's really wonderful to have the boys and girls with us, joining with us in here this morning to stay with us for this service. And I'm sure all the boys and girls, we're all anxiously waiting. You know, when will I, when will I get my hands on those eggs? And that will happen, so not too long. So, but just sit there and wait. But I remember East egg hunts when I was growing up. That's what we would do in our household. My dad would uh, get us kids and we'll have an Easter egg hunt and he'll just hide these eggs in all sorts of places. And I still remember one of the most difficult eggs to find, which we couldn't find, was when my dad hid an egg, one of those Cadbury chocolate eggs, in an empty condensed tin can, an empty one, and he placed it in the fridge. There was no way at all we could find it. And, uh, but it won't be that hard today, boys and girls, so don't worry about that. But at Easter time, there are all sorts of symbolisms, aren't there? Symbols here, symbols there. You've got the Easter egg, which is meant to represent new life. You've got the bunny, the Easter bunny, 
meant to represent fertility. But then you put them two together, and it really just doesn't make sense. Anyone have rabbits at home? Some have rabbits. Yeah, some do. Do you know if rabbits give, lay eggs? They don't, do they? They lay little baby rabbits. But it's a bit strange. But in fact, there's another symbol that we'll reflect on today. A more accurate symbol of what Easter is about. And it's a symbol of the cross. It's a symbol of the cross. We see it all over the place. Hot cross buns, which we'll share later. You'll see a symbol of the cross. But why do we have that symbol? And why do we call it Good Friday? Because Good Friday is a celebration of the cross. But I want you to reflect on that for a moment. Because it's a very strange idea what we are doing today. In fact, it's quite ironic what we are doing today. You know, eggs, new life makes sense. Bunnies, fertility makes sense. But the cross, why a day to celebrate the cross? It's not like a birthday cake you enjoy at a birthday party or flowers at an anniversary. But the cross, why the cross? Because if you think about it, it's a symbol we see at cemeteries placed on top of tombstones. But what are we doing? Thinking about the cross, what does it represent? And I think we've become so familiar with this symbol. We see it all around the place. We see it all over the place, on flags as well, that we've lost the shock of it all. You see, the cross is there to remind us of the crucifixion. The cross was a symbol of death in the ancient world. It was the crucifixion. It was capital punishment. In fact, it was one of the most brutal, offensive, painful, shameful ways of killing a person ever invented. One of the worst. Designed by the Persians, perfected by the Romans to prolong the suffering and shame of the dying. And that's what we're remembering today. Isn't that a bit strange? A bit ironic. Where the criminal is hoisted up for everyone to see on the cross. And often criminals, it wasn't just the pain of the crucifixion, but it was the shame because they were put on display on the cross, beaten, bruised, bleeding, but also naked. The shame on display for the world to see. It was the Roman way of saying, do not mess with us, otherwise this is what's going to happen to you. In fact, in the ancient world, any decent, respectable human being would not even mention the word cross in polite company because the word so odious, so heinous, so hideous, so obscene. It was a shock for anyone to be living in our time and see crosses everywhere. It would have shocked them big time. In fact, a philosopher of the first century BC, Cicero, he expressed his feelings of the crucifixion in this way. He said, Let every mention of the cross be far removed, not only from a Roman citizen's body, but from his mind, his eyes, and his ears. No decent human being would ever want to think about it, let let alone see it or talk about it. I mean, you think about a modern equivalent. What might be the cross today? The electric chair, lethal injection, the gallows, an AK-47. And so what have we done today? 
Well, we've put the cross on hot cross buns. But just imagine, after that morning tea, instead of cross, you see an AK-47, and you eat it with jam. Or we make the cross into jewellery that we wear around our necks. Imagine, instead of the cross, it's, a, it's an electric chair. That would be so weird. What are you wearing there? That's a bit strange. Something wrong with you. And we place it on top of every church. We see it behind me. Imagine it wasn't a cross, but it's, it's, it's a gallows. And we put it on top of tombstones. And we also get a public holiday to remember it, to celebrate it. Isn't that ironic? So why place the spotlight on the cross today? Why is Easter so important? I mean, if you think about it, we not only get one day as a public holiday, but we in fact get four days. Now, if you don't know that, talk to your boss. Four days as a public holiday. Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and Monday. They're all public holidays. And if you think about it, they are more days than what you get at Christmas time. This is more important. So why place a spotlight on the cross? on such a brutal event in human history. Well, when we come back to the first Easter story, when we come back to our reading, what we find is that the spotlight was placed on the cross, not by any person, but by Jesus himself. Now, this story takes place on Palm Sunday, five days before Good Friday. Jesus has just entered into Jerusalem on a donkey as the king. And Jesus knew exactly what was about to take place. It did not take him by surprise at all. And do you notice the, the spotlight Jesus puts on it? What, what, what did he call it? Look at verse 23. He said, The hour has come for the Son of Man, that is Jesus speaking about himself, to be glorified. Now what does that mean, to be glorified? What does the word glory mean? You see, the word glory in the original has the sense of weightiness, heaviness, importance, significance, grandeur, beauty. And so when you watch the sunrise or the sunset and the colors is changing, you think, that's glorious. Or you see the bride walk down the aisle and you think, what a glorious bride. Or you're up in the Swiss Alps and you see the snow-capped mountains in all the ranges and you think, wow, so glorious. But what does God think is glorious? In this world, in all of human history, it was that day. It was that day. It's as though God calls upon all humanity, all of human history, and he places the spotlight on the cross. There we see the weight of eternity. There we see the weight of the universe. There we see the glory of God on display. And what did it look like? It looked like the cross. And Jesus said, he knew, the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. But how can this hideous, heinous cross be considered glorious. It's so strange. We celebrate it, we get a day off. Why would God want to place the spotlight in all of human history upon the wickedness and the depravity and the miscarriage of justice that people did upon an innocent man? You see, you look at the cross and you think about the story, 
Everything about it was not good. It was horrible. You look at that broken, messy, bloody, bleeding, dying Jesus on the cross. Nothing about it looked good at all. Well, this is where Jesus explains. And this is what we have to understand if we understand why you get a public holiday. Jesus explains the heart of the Easter message. Why he had to die. And he speaks about the principle of life. For there to be life, something had to die. For there to be life, something had to die. And Jesus uses an, an everyday illustration, a farming illustration. And so in verse 24, Jesus says, I tell you the truth, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, unless I fall to the ground and die, it remains only a single seed. But if it does, it produces many seeds. You see, unless seeds fall to the ground, goes into the dirt and dies, it won't germinate. It won't produce fruit. There won't be new life, new plants. And we know that. I mean, in Australia, we have terrible bushfires. Most summers, the last worst one was a few years ago, three years ago, black summer. So much of our vast bushland was burnt. 30,000 square kilometers, Victoria, New South Wales. But yet, it was necessary for the fire to release more seeds in banksias. With bush peas and wattle, their hard-coated seeds had to be cracked by fire so that there could be more life, so that they could germinate. That's what happens. I mean, I don't know much about gardening or plants, but I read that on Google and it's true. Well, take the apple tree, for example. How many seeds are there in an apple? Ever worked that out? Ever tried counting? Well, a few years ago, I got my daughter, cut up the apple, and tell me how many seeds there are. She counted, there are eight seeds. But do you know how many apples there are in a seed? You see, if one seed can grow into an apple tree, in one season, an apple tree can produce 300 apples. It means then that there are 2,400 seeds, which could eventually mean 720,000 apples from one apple seed. No wonder why one preacher once said, anyone can count the seeds in an apple, but only God can count the number of apples in a seed. But you see, it's the principle of life. We know it. Something had to die for there to be life. Even those of us who, who love steak. What has to happen for us to enjoy steak? Ever wondered about that? I mean, I like my steak medium rare, so if you want to take me out, I'll be glad. Medium rare, please. But where does steak come from? Well, our kids are a bit older now, so they know. But when they were younger, we asked them, do you know where steak comes from? They said, Woolies, Costco. <laughs> Of course, that's true, but some poor cow had to be butchered so that I can enjoy my medium-rare steak. Now, I didn't explain to our kids back then how we butcher the cow, otherwise they might stop eating meat altogether, so we didn't want that. But that poor cow had to die. Things have to die so that there might be life, and Jesus is saying here, it's a very simple principle. It's why I have to die. It's why the spotlight is on the cross, Unless that happens, you will have no forgiveness of sins. 
Unless that happens, you look at your life and you look at your past and the messiness, the brokenness, the things you're ashamed of. There is no way that can be washed away unless I die. Unless I die, there is no eternal life for you. There is no hope beyond the grave. There is no life, new life with God. So the principle is simple. And this is the heart of the Easter message. Unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, unless I die, there is no life for anyone. You see, the weight of eternity was upon that cross. What's upon that gruesome cross? And God wants us to see that is glory. That is glorious. But life for whom? Well, what has it got to do with us? You read this story, it's 2,000 years ago, and over those 2,000 years, people have still died. But what is this about? How does it relate to us? Is the cross just a symbol empty of meaning? Well, listen to what Jesus says next. Just as I have to die for you to have life, so too you have to die to gain life. Do you hear that? Jesus is saying, I have to die so that you can have life, but you have to die so that you can gain life. Now, what did he mean? Well, unless I follow Jesus into the dirt, unless I like Jesus fall into the ground and die like him, I would not have life. And so Jesus is saying, unless I completely surrender myself to him, unless I die to myself, unless I deny myself, unless I lose myself, I'll have no life, the life that he offers. I mean, it sounds a bit like a contradiction, doesn't it? It sounds strange. I gain life by losing my life. That's what Jesus says. And if I hold on to my life in this world, in this life, I will lose it. It seems like a contradiction. You see, Jesus turns our world upside down. Because what's the way of our world? How are we taught to live in this society? We're taught to live, live for me first. Is me and I first. Is myself first, my needs first. I come first, I love myself first. That's what we're taught to live. How we're taught to live. But when we live that way, when every single individual in this world lives that way, I live for me first, what happens? What happens? Well, we get more self-absorbed. And we're always left wanting more because we're trying to grab onto more, but we want more because when we get it, we still feel empty and we want more and more. Or we feel crushed because we never get it. And if the focus of my life is on me, then even the relationships around me is for me to use and abuse. You see, a better husband, a better father, a better friend is the one who, in a sense, dies to himself and looks out for those around him. You see, the way of the word of loving myself, loving my life, displaces God who should be first. I should never take the place of God. And if I do, that's what the Bible calls sin. You want to take the place of God. And so the call of Jesus here, he says, the man who loves his life will lose it, while the man who hates his life, that is hate in contrast to love, hates his life in this world, will keep it for eternal life. Whoever serves me must follow me, that is to go into the dirt, and where I am my servant also will be. 
and my Father will honor the one who serves me. Do you see where God places the spotlight? He places the spotlight on the death of Jesus. The weight of eternity at that point. But he also places the spotlight on those who would follow him into the dirt. When I lose myself, I find myself. When I die to myself and I follow Jesus, I find life. It turns our world upside down. And when I die to myself, I find the love of God that is beyond my wildest dreams. I find an identity as a child of God. I find my worth in his eyes and I find satisfaction, fulfillment because I was made by him and for him. You see, the death of Jesus was meant, strangely, ironically, it was meant to be also a sign of the start of life. The death of Jesus meant the start of life and our life. But we can't ever think this was easy for Jesus. And I think this is where that somber part of this day needs to come in. I'm not talking about the public shame of Jesus or the excruciating pain. It was bad. But what was worse for Jesus? How shall we say it? What was worse was this, that God the Son was forsaken by God the Father. That God the Son bore the wrath of God the Father for your sins and my sins. That somehow that perfect eternal relationship between Father and Son, that sense of divine love, was at that moment suspended. That is unbelievable. Eternal, perfect, loving relationship at that moment at the moment of glorification, suspended. I mean, how can you imagine that? It's why Jesus prays to his Father. He says, My heart is troubled. It is heavy. It is in anguish. It is burdened. My heart is troubled. And what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour? No. It was for this very reason I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. That's what we're remembering today. On Good Friday, we cannot forget. You know, we're sitting here. We might be thinking, you know, it's Easter Friday. This is what we do for Easter. We're pretty decent people. In fact, we, we came to church. But we need to remember, it was my sins that sent Jesus to the cross. For him to hang there naked, that was for me. I mean, how much sin do I have to commit for Jesus to do such a thing? Well, the amount of sin I've already committed, that's how much. Yet at the same time, Jesus willingly went to the cross for me. For this very reason, I came to this hour, Jesus says. It's why the cross remains a weighty symbol. It's to remind us of the greatest sacrifice of all, the most significant death of all. It is so that, so that through his death, life might flow out to us unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies. There is no life. And for us here, we need to remember today, Jesus, my beautiful Savior, died for me. But yet the story is not finished. Do you notice even the cross behind me? It's an empty cross. Why? 
because Sunday is coming. But today on Good Friday, let me ask you, what is it that you're clinging on to? Because Jesus is very clear here, isn't it? You cling on to your life, you'll lose it. You cling on to him, you'll find life. There's this wonderful prayer of the Puritans I really love that captures the weight of glory. Christ was all anguish that I might be all joy. Cast off that I might be brought in. Trodden down as an enemy that I might be welcomed as a friend. Surrendered to hell's worst that I might attain heaven's best. Stripped that I might be clothed. Wounded that I might be healed, a thirst that I might drink, tormented that I might be comforted, made a shame that I might inherit glory, entered darkness that I might have eternal life. Unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, his death means the start of life. And so today on Good Friday... It speaks to all of us, every one of us here. Now, this may be your first Easter service. And you come to understand, well, what is this Easter all about? Well, my encouragement to you is you have to find out more. Find out more of this person, Jesus, who's come to die for you. But those of us who already know Jesus, this is a day for us to remember, to be encouraged to ignite that flame in us once again. We live differently because we belong to him and we die differently. We live differently because we follow Jesus into the dirt and that's where we find life. But we also die differently. It was in fact Dietrich Bonhoeffer who expressed this so well. He was part of the resistance against Hitler in Nazi Germany. He was a pastor. Eventually when he was captured, And he was executed just after Easter, 78 years ago. In fact, it will be 78 years in two days' time. He was stripped naked, led to the gallows, while the prison guards jeered and ridiculed him. His final known words to his English friend, George Bell, was this. He said, This is the end. For me, the beginning of life. See, the death of Jesus means the start of life. And that is why the weight of eternity is seen there in the cross. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that you shone the spotlight on the cross of Christ, that in his death, like the kernel of wheat that falls to the ground, we who follow him into the ground might find life. And so we pray, Lord, for those of us who do believe, strengthen us in our faith. Help us to live and die differently. But for those of us who yet to know him, draw them close, Lord, we pray. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.